Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast. It's Ali introducing the podcast for once. We're, again, I just keep moving forward yeah. and going higher. You've, you've had a couple where you were sitting in the co-pilot seat. Now this is like yep. your, your first time driving. So. I've, I'll put some graffiti on the seat just to make sure it's mine. Tell Michael he's not coming back. Yeah, really get comfortable. Um, so today, what do we have, Dallas? So today, uh, I, this is one of those topics I feel like now that you've um, had a couple to ease into that are sort of fairly black and white. and yep. my, my concept today that I want to talk about, um, this could be one that like I do to Michael sometimes where I start talking about something and I just get blank looks from him and, and you've got nothing to add. So the concept I want to talk about here is that uh, moving into cash in retirement, so so moving your superannuation, your, your pension accounts, any, any of those sorts of things, moving fully into cash in many cases doesn't actually impact your retirement um, but it can actually just cost your kids so mm. there's a, there's a couple of theories that I've, I've got here about this but first I'm gonna I know you want yeah. to annihilate me about this because no no it's um I've, I've been really looking forward to <laughs> feeling the pain that Michael goes through sometimes and seeing <laughs> uh, surely it can't be that bad but you know sometimes you do just keep going and then we've talked about five different topics so um, I think this might be a good one so so what I'm talking about here is that um, there's there's a thing we've talked about a lot on this podcast, which is that people get close to retirement or they get into their retirement, and their impulse is um, that they should move all of their money into cash mm. um, or into term deposits or that sort of thing. And and you know you you've seen this before. Yeah, many it, times. It's, it, it's like, and it's not. It's often just a thing. that's almost social conditioning. We've, mm. we've heard that. Okay, well, I'm I'm a pensioner now. I gotta I gotta be safe. I gotta be secure. I can't. I've gotta have all my money. That's in. right. Sort of ties into the podcast we did um, earlier about loss aversion and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's a, right. So people people are already worried mm. about losing money, and then mm. it's like a, hey, my income's gonna stop from work. I, I don't. I really don't want my balance to be dropping at all. And so people's impulse is to move into cash or and not always, and sometimes it's the other way, but often um, people's investment strategy leading up to into early years of retirement is, is too defensive. And what I mean mm. by that is they get too much of their money allocated to cash, not enough of it invested in growth assets that's going to be working for them over the long term. Mm. Um, and so, again, like like you, the, the point that you touched on in that um, in the, the podcast about um, losing money, it's completely understandable. You know, mm. I mean, no one wants to. No one wants to have to be going through volatility while they're retired and while they're drawing money out of their, their retirement savings. That's right. But the reality is that for most people, uh, for most people, they they can they can just look at that and go, I need I need to draw. You know, I, the amount of money that I need to draw out of my retirement savings. If I move it all into cash, I will just run out, and I know that is the case. Yes. And and that's more so one we see for people who are you know say retiring at sixty, and they might have, um, you know. Two million dollars in retirement savings, and they want to draw a hundred grand a year out of there. And and the hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, after you lay off inflation, that goes up each year. And so yeah. you've got, you know, next year's one hundred and three thousand yeah. dollars a year after a bit more and a bit more. 
when you look at that with people and go, well, if you're retiring at 60 and you want to draw that 100,000 and allow for the fact that things are going to get more expensive, their first impulse is to go, well, it'll last for 20 years, which is 2 million divided by 100, mm. but it won't. Uh, exactly. said, things get more expensive. So it normally lasts for somewhere around you know, 13 to 15 years. And, and again, touching on the point of um, losing hurts more. Yeah. They don't ex- because they can't really feel that loss because that's yeah. twenty years down the track. They can't yeah. think or imagine what that feeling would be like. Yes, because in their mind, yeah. they they're fine at the moment. Yeah, and that, they can do and that. that. That's exactly right. it is a, and that's sort of exactly why we go through that that um, that process of saying like, mm. yeah, you're fine this year, but what about in? And you know, you're the you're the you're the man who who. Um, yeah, often when we're when we're looking at this, you're the one who's really looking at the the, the nitty gritty of this with yeah. our clients as to where does that put you in fifteen years, and and that's exactly like I touched on before. It's to say, well, you might not like the feeling of of um of having to have your your money being volatile and and having to grow that over the long term. But the alternative is rather than rather than making it a pure numbers and and sense thing, if you look at it and go, well. You might feel a bit uncomfortable now, mm. but if you don't do this, if you just leave your money in cash, you are going to run out you in will 15 run out. years' time and then you'll be really uncomfortable then. So, yeah. I think when you put it to them black and white and go, yeah. okay, you yeah. can do that, but yeah, yeah. That's you will run out of money. Yeah, I think it yeah. sort of opens it up again yeah. and go, oh, no, okay. I don't want what that. Are, yeah, what are the trade-offs? Yeah, there? what are the trade-offs there? Okay, what, yeah. what? and you find that balance sort of in that. But that's exactly right, yeah. So... So that one's pretty easy because when you got people who are retiring yeah. at sixty and you go right, you want to live a yeah. Um, the, the the one I'm sort of looking at or thinking about at the moment, and, and I've um, uh, I had this just recently with with clients like um, uh, really nice, lovely people, and um, they're a bit older and have retired a bit older and have less in retirement savings. They're getting a bit of money from from Centrelink. Um, they, they've got it. Um, Basically, the calculation we're looking at with them is that they're sort of going, well, why not just have all of our money in cash? So, mm. you know, they're in their, um, they're, they're in their mid-70s and, and I always jokingly always ask people, how long are you going to live for? But these guys are sort of going, well, we think we'll live for another 10 years and whether that's true or not, we'll find out in 10 years' time. Yep. But they're kind of looking at it and going, yeah, we want $60,000 a year and we've got... Um, yeah, seven or eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, even allowing for inflation, we can just have all that sitting in cash, and we can just yeah, they can, can do that. that out, and that and that will, mm. that will will um, they they won't run out of money until they're you know of an age where they're telling me they're probably going to be backed over. So yeah, that's a that, nice way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the the bushy coming out here. Yeah, they'll, they'll back over there. <laughs> the really technical. Yeah, uh, so a couple of things that I. I always say to people, it's like if that's your strategy, there's a couple of things to be aware of. Mm. Number one, you, you better die by the time you're in your mid 80s, because yeah. otherwise you are going to run out of money. So yeah, there, you've left there, yourself no room. Yeah, you've left yourself no margin for safety. So yeah. the, the the best case slash worst case scenario is that you do pass away by the time that happens. And mm. um, and often, yeah, we've talked about that at length. Often people underestimate what their life expectancy actually is. Mm. And people who are coming to see us and are thinking about the future are often making reasonably intelligent decisions about not you know not doing anything too crazy taking care of their health and they're probably going to live longer than average mm. and people often underestimate how long they are actually likely to live for particularly when it's a couple and you get yep. one member of a couple is 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 likely to, to live longer than life expectancy on yeah. average. so 
So that's sort of point one is that you're really not leaving yourself much margin for safety. If, if you think that you're going to pass away by a certain point and you don't, there's nothing, yeah. there's just nothing left. Um, the second point there is that um, for a lot of people, and these guys um, in particular, if you're at that threshold of um, you are going to, you're, you're, you know, you're almost, almost at part pension, stage yep. or you might even be getting a small part pension and by that I mean part age pension which is handling um, when people have a lower balance they're obviously they're often more worried about volatility yeah but in reality and and yeah we look at this we look you've got a few clients that you've looked at this with where you're if, if you're on that borderline you can actually afford to have more volatility in a, in a strange way and it doesn't feel right it's very counterintuitive mm. but as your balance drops you know if your balance drops over the next six months your Centrelink uh, pension will actually pick up under the and supplements that loss. Supplements that loss. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, if, if you're getting slightly more from Centrelink, you just need to draw less out of your retirement savings while your balance is down. So, that's all right. Uh, so that's kind of part two is that if once you allow for Centrelink, take you know, kicking in there, you, you're often going. There is a bit of a, a downside protection there, which mm. is that when those when those temporary declines happen, yeah, you you will. Yeah, you will actually get a bit more from age pension. And, yeah, you and get a bit of relief there because yeah. you you're at that line where yeah. you can um, you can sort of afford. It's weird. It is. It Very does sound counterintuitive because yeah. you're like your balance is a bit low, so yeah. you're in a position where oh, you can't really afford to um, lose too much or draw too much out of your retirement savings. But, yeah, but the big thing is and, yeah. that that yeah. Centrelink sort of kicks in and it um it does supplement that loss. So yeah. at that sort of stage, yeah, it's like. You you can sort of afford to yeah. do that. Yeah, and and that's this is one of those things. It's not like a, um, and and the the language you use there is, is exactly right, Ali. It's not that you can afford to take more risk mm. because the point is that it's not more risk. Yeah, it, you can afford to you can afford to take on more volatility because it's, it's yeah the risk is not the same because you're not forced into actually selling exactly yeah. when share prices drop. You are not as much of a forced seller of shares as someone who is a fully self-funded retiree. That's so, right. And the third point here, which is I guess tying into one and two, there is that for most people, the the reality is if they're in, if they're if they're on track to probably just scrape through, if they were to stay fully invested in cash, um, and and they do go fully into cash, the, the things that happen there are that. A, if if they do live longer than what they expected, mm. you know who's going to get a caller. It's going to be the kids, and so yeah. that was that was my point of this podcast is that moving into cash can can often cost your kids more than you instead of you. Yeah, is that you know if you're 87 and you run out of money, you know the you are going to have to move in with someone. You know, what yeah, I mean? it, it's you know, and that disregarding you know you can move in aged care and all that sort of thing and all the rest of it. But when I say it's going to cost your kids. That's one way, which is what people often think about, which is that oh, I'm going to have to move in with the kids and that's going to be burdensome for them and all the rest of it. But, yeah. but the, the other part to that is that there's the, the opportunity cost or the, the, the growth that you could have had on those assets or the, the buffer mm. that you would have had left over, which yeah. is what we're essentially talking about here, which is that if you run completely out, we're not talking about taking crazy risks and trying to and trying to you know triple your money over mm. that last ten to fifteen years of your life. It's really just about making sure that you do keep a buffer. Mm. That buffer does two things: it, it means that you don't run out, and it means that you don't have to move in with kids or, or or change your living situation in a way that you really don't want to. And the second one is 
that's the difference between when you pass away if your kids are left with uh, uh, you know some bills or yeah. if they're left with a bit of a lump sum. Yeah. yeah. What would you do in that situation, Dallas? I'm, I'm pretty sure you had a podcast. I, I give it all the charity and the kids are getting none. <laughs> but that's a... Uh, I, guess, I guess that's a good thought because it, you want more to give to charity. That's exactly... That's the, the point. Is, is it, I don't... I, and, you know, as you alluded to, Ali, I've, I've done, a, um, done a whole podcast about, like, not leaving anything to my kids. And I still, uh, at this stage, it's still my, my strategy. But I, I think that it's... Yeah, any way you look at it, I would rather I would rather not have to rely on anyone else um, exactly. while I'm still living. Yep. I, I would be a cantankerous old man. We know that. I already <laughs> am when I'm 33, so I can't imagine what I'm going to be like at 93 yep. uh, if I get that far. So I, I don't want to have to rely on anyone else. Uh, because of that, I need to allow a buffer. I need to allow a right. margin for safety. And what that means is that when I pass away, there's going to be some money left over. And that will either then, you know... Uh, assuming Nicola lives longer than me, that will be allow for for her to have that same buffer and same margin of safety and same choices in in her later years. Yep. Or it just allows me to either then go right. Do I want to give that money to charity? You know, for other people, they might want to leave stuff for the kids. There's just more choices there. And, yeah. And I guess the point that we're making there is that it's often that the the trade off isn't what you think it is. Exactly. You know, yeah. It's not a case where you go, well, we're taking more risk and you might be able to have more to leave more to your kids. It's like a if you structure this the right way, the, the risk is minimal. Uh, yeah. Beca- because we've got those, we've allowed for all these different things. We've allowed enough cash mm. to make sure we can get through the lean years. We've got that, the, the fact that that Centrelink will kick in. There's all those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, we've allowed for, you know, if you live longer than you expect, a- and there's and there's that bit left over. For, That's right. To, to go to the kids. So, it's, um, yeah. the term risk, I, it just, it sort of annoys me with, with investing because, again, it all. Everything's the, risk. Everything's risk, and the only risk that I guess gets considered a lot of the time, yeah. Um, and it's no no one else's fault, but it's it's just the way it's been communicated to yeah. most people is is that volatility. They think that's the only risk, but yeah. again, you risk running out of money. You risk yeah. not leaving enough for your kids. Yeah. You risk having to put the burden on your Some kids for having them to look after you. There's yeah. so many other risks that are involved yeah. that people just also need to consider as well. It is funny because that is again in the interest. Like, there's a few counterintuitive things about this, but like. When you talk to people about this, you go, "Well, you can do that, but the risk is that you'll live longer than you want, than you thought you were going to." It's like yeah. it's pretty weird to say yeah. that's a risk. You go, "That's a, it's a great, it is a good problem to have, but it is a problem that needs to be solved." So yeah. yeah, you're right. It's like that word risk. When you're looking at any retirement planning, but particularly when you're looking at a, that that investment strategy piece, it's like you got to allow for all those different that's all right. those different risks, and that's exactly. It's not just a matter of does my balance go up or go down. Mm. It's like what are all the possible eventualities here? exactly and finding that perfect balance and yeah. making sure you can cover those bases as well yeah thanks for listening thank you thank you for listening to the money over 50 podcast with money over 50 financial advisors for more information and resources visit the money over 50 website mo50.com.au we look forward to catching up again soon